Hey folks, welcome to the House of Kraus. I'm Richard Kraus. Now I should warn you before we go any further with this, that I'm gonna be focusing on the movie Snowden today. Snowden is the new Oliver Stone film. It's the story of Ed Snowden, an American computer whiz who leaked classified information from the National Security Agency to the Guardian newspaper and has since been on the run. He lives in Moscow now. Uh, he's wanted in the United States for some very serious charges. The Russians refuse to extradite him, and there's a bit of a stalemate. The movie falls in the middle of that. It is a movie that tells the story of how and why Ed Snowden did what he did. At its core, though, at its very heart, it's a movie that's about privacy, and it's about how much privacy you can expect to enjoy every time you turn on your computer or pick up your mobile phone. We're gonna be talking to the director, Oliver Stone. We're gonna be talking to the stars, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Shailene Woodley. But keep in mind that if you're listening to this on your computer, by the time you're done listening to this, you might just wanna put a Band-Aid over the computer camera because there's a lot of privacy issues that we're going to discuss in the next little while and I don't want to make anybody paranoid but uh, listen carefully and then you know figure out whether you need to cover your computer's camera or not for yourself. First up here's Oliver Stone. This movie uh, has stayed with me because I am someone I knew who Ed Snowden was, I knew the story, uh, but I'm someone who doesn't really give a great deal of thought to the camera on my phone, to the way that uh, my, my internet seems to respond to my every need, like Zachary was talking about in the press conference today, you look for a washing machine and all of a sudden on another site you're getting all sorts of washing machine ads. Uh, I've never really given it much of a thought. When you were making this movie, you were plunged into this world. What effect did it have on you? Probably I'll tell you more about that in the next year or two. Because I'm a dramatist and I live inside that story. Yeah. I craft it to the best of my knowledge, make it work. So trying to make the film work is, the big, is my main job, right? right? I mean, it wouldn't even be discussed if it weren't working like this. Mm -hmm. So I'm a craftsman, but the work, it goes into me and the, the after effect is after you take off the makeup and the disguise, the costume, and you go into the, then you move on in your life or not, you know, you, it stays with you. And I think I can tell you more a accurate answer, but definitely I'm not a tech freak at all. Couldn't care uh, less, hate it, but uh, it's a way of life that's been ingrained on us. And... Uh, I've always been surveyed, I always felt like, since 2001, especially, that the government is, is not telling the whole truth here, that they're obviously doing more. So when the Risen, James Risen stories broke in 2005 from the Times, New York Times, and that was a year and a half late, they buried it. Mm -hmm. It was Risen who forced it out, and you know that story. Yes, yeah. Okay, well, and that told us right away that something was going, we knew something was going, those certain people knew what was going on with Bush. However, uh, Obama in 2008, we were hoping they would change. And when uh, Snowden broke the story in 13, 2013, it was confirmation of our worst thoughts, of our worst dread, is that he was continuing that system, and not only that, improving it greatly. Well, do you think, and I, you know, I think that in this country we have a slightly different 
uh, attitude towards uh, yeah. certain things. And in, in, in the U.S., there was a war on. Uh, there are things happening that, you know, we had been sort of led to believe with the Patriots Act and all that that required extreme measures. And, well, it don't, you know, and, and, yeah, and I, I just too. wonder, like, is that just, is that the only excuse? I mean, this information isn't funneling back to fight terrorism. It's funneling back for economic reasons, for whatever, for whatever the reasons may be. Economic and social control, yeah. as Snowden says in the movie. Yeah. And so do you think that the, the war and the war on terror and all that has just been used as an excuse? It was a convenient happening. Some people say too convenient, but certainly they, uh, neoconservatives under Bush used it to enhance all government powers uh, to go to the dark side to break laws internationally and we didn't know then but domestically and uh, my god they really did go to the dark side but because at one point they was not just us against them you're either with us or you're against us it became about distrusting the American citizens themselves under the guise of you might be an enemy agent so now we all live as you're a suspect until proven otherwise and uh, my god uh, you know the concept of bulk surveillance of Tapping everybody is so insane. When I was a kid, it would have been something out of the worst of Orwell. They had the TV set in your home, and you were responsible. You were the slave to that TV set. Well, basically, we're there, you know. And I remember Time Magazine in 1984. I was a younger man, and I read that cover. 1984 is here, and they exalted, boasted, and it didn't happen. You see, this Time Magazine is always, you know, always they're credible enough to be, believe the opposite of, you know. Vietnam War is a good thing. I mean, they're always there, first in line. And that was what I said, this is coming. I felt it. And now we know it. So it is here. Uh, and we all, and not, uh, every one of us is scared of being singled out. Mm -hmm. Every one of us. Especially nope. outspoken people, I would think. Which one? Uh, outspoken people. Yes, that is, a, that is a concern. Yeah. And that's, but if we don't speak out, then who the hell is going to speak? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, I'm already out there because I'm sort of, been against wars since Vietnam, and I've said a lot. And I would certainly be on the first list for FEMA to throw in a camp if they had to. And as Snowden says in the movie, someday, you know, with the wrong person in charge, it's going to be very simple to turn the key and make it a lockup. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I, I say uh, this is pretty bad we're living through. This is dystopian. Although we have consumer comforts in the West, and also in the you know the world is is richer. But the corporations own that, and they're selling it to us. And uh, they're getting bigger and bigger. So they work with governments to uh, keep the flow of prosperity going. But at the same time, our choices uh, in terms of our society are dictated to. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the dramatic elements of, of bringing this story to the screen. You talk about uh, how we are surveyed in a or surveilled in a in a bulk way. The movie does a really interesting visual job of showing that to us. What were the challenges for you in bringing the story? It's a very human story. I think Lindsay Hill also uh, uh, helps to humanize Snowden. All that we need, all that Mills, Lindsay Mills, Mills rather uh, uh, serves that purpose. Uh, so how do you? dramatize this, which is a, essentially a story about hacking, and make it dramatic, make it so that I care about things that are essentially, you know, strokes on a keyboard and a, and a flash drive in a, in a computer. 
How, how do you do that? Basic, you know, all the basic traditions of drama, which is you put people in it, <laughs> and you have that, uh, that when you cut from the screen to the person watching the screen, you understand the emotions that are flowing to the person. Uh, basic uh, English drama. And uh, there are no shootouts, there's no violence, mm -hmm. no sex in that way. But it's a human story because it's one man against uh, a tremendously powerful system. So it has a lot of the Winston Smith undertones of 1984, yeah. but not as not as grim an ending. Uh, Smith Smith is is becomes the beauty of 1984 is he, he learns to love, yeah. really love. He thinks he does the lo lo love the new system. He's been thoroughly his brain uh, brain washed. Yeah. So, uh, and that makes sense. It makes sense. That's truly the realistic ending yeah. for most of us, brainwashed. Well, it's the easier of the, it's, it's the opiate. It's the easiest yeah. way get out along. for most people. You have people. to get yeah. along. I mean, yeah. you can't fight this thing if it's all powerful. Now, the idea is not to let it become all powerful, it's to mm -hmm. question, 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 challenge, challenge, challenge. And there are enough forces in the universe that will. In other words, the United States can't take over the whole world. They think they can, and they try to, and they will go th on doing so through regime changes, which are engineered, but it won't happen. And I think there will always be a holdout. And as a result, in 1984, they solve it by having hate week, right. which is what they do in the United States, which yeah. is, oh, this week we hate Russia, this week we hate Iran, mm -hmm. next week we're going to hate China. You know, it, it goes on, and people fall into line with that, but it's it's... So the world ultimately stays at war between these three powers, these three continents. However, in this case, the United States has achieved probably nine-tenths of its, uh, maybe, I'm exaggerating, maybe two-thirds of the world. It really has since World War II. But I fear that we don't stop. We want the rest. I feel that depending on which way your next election goes, that the country might become more insular. There's walls. There's you know and, and more inward looking, and and just become something that doesn't look to the world stage anymore. Why should we pay for peacekeeping here? Why should we do well, this? Why? That's a good question. Why? And, and, and it, but that's what I think. That's the questions that are going to start being asked. Yeah, that's one aspect of it, but uh, it's not likely to happen with a military-industrial complex with 800 bases all over the world and so much invested in its own being. Why would we create? these new weapons worldwide, satellites, F-35s, unless we had someone to dominate. Yeah. It's just, we have to stay on the outer edge of the world because then we'd have to come in and actually try to fix our own country. <laughs> no, that would be expensive and, and uh, we'd have to realign all our objectives. It'd take a lot to do that. It would be a great president who could achieve it. And that's to say, let live and let live. That would be a new policy, and we haven't heard that in a long time. That's at least four years away. What <laughs> <laughs> uh, the final thing? Uh, you keep talking about 1984. You mentioned it in the press conference today, and I kept thinking it's time for a new version. <laughs> would you oh, ever consider yeah. that? Well, uh, no, I just did it. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Scott, thank, thank you, so Richard. Oliver Stone, 
three-time Oscar winner. You know, he made Nixon, W, JFK, Salvador, Platoon, Born on the Fourth of July, goes on and on, Wall Street, films like that. He co-wrote and directed Snowden, and uh, he's a bit of a burly bear. I found him fascinating. I like sparring with him a little bit, uh, but when he walks into a room, you definitely know that he's in the room. Next up, Shailene Woodley. I have to tell you, Shailene Woodley is naturalistic in this movie in the extreme. I loved watching her performance. Uh, It's an interesting part because playing Ed Snowden's girlfriend, she's on the peripheral of the action. He has a national security clearance, so when he comes home, he can't discuss what he's doing at work with her. And ultimately, the decisions that he makes really impact on her life as well. Shailene Woodley pulls this off. We talk about her performance a little bit later on. But I'll tell you, when she walks into a room and she's introduced to you, I had met her once years and years ago, but she didn't remember me and I wouldn't blame her because we did an interview for four or five years ago for something. But we walked into the room, I was introduced, and I went to put my hand out to shake her hand. And she doesn't shake hands, she hugs. And for me, that wins the day. She's uh, a really down-to-earth, really interesting person, and she's terrific in Snowden. Here's my interview. Lindsay is a real-life person, and I'm always curious to know how much responsibility you feel to the real-life person. This is a record of a part of their life after it's over you walk away and you go do something else but that record remains of them so do you feel the weight of that or is it just words on a page and you go from there no definitely feel i mean i'm going to sort of bridge that question to something else but joseph you know everyone keeps asking me what was the greatest thing about working with joseph and levitt the greatest thing about him and i think the reason why we worked really well together is because Many artists would have used this as an opportunity to showcase their talent and what they could do, and they would have made this role about them, which is not a bad thing. But what Joe did was he had the intention from day one of signing on to do this movie of protecting the integrity and honoring Edward Snowden. And I felt the same way about Lindsay Mills. And so when you say what you said is completely correct. You know, I can look at this and I can remember when I was on set and the feelings of, you know, engaging in a role where you have to be afraid or you have to be cautious. Then we get to go home to our families and um, our lives and the camera's cut and you go and have a snack at Crafty. But what hit me some months after we finished filming in a very deep way that sits with me every single day since is she's in Russia right now with her life partner because he can't come home. They don't have their family. They don't have their friends. And when we watch a movie like this, even though it is a dramatization of real events, the people in it are real people who are living, um, living through the consequences of a decision that this man made with hopes to uh, help democracy. And it hasn't worked for him, though. Really, not yet, anyway. Maybe. But you know what? I think he would disagree. Yeah. Because, and I, I say this, obviously, as my in my own opinion, but I think Edward Snowden would disagree with that statement because I think that he... You don't make a decision like he made thinking that your life will be protected or saved. Right. 
You know, you make a decision like what he made where you sacrifice everything and know that you'll probably, you know, at that point, especially, he would probably go to jail for life, you know, or whatever, you know, be charged under the um, Espionage Act. Try it under the Espionage Act. But I think that he does believe it worked out because people are still engaging in dialogue. And that was his mission, was to help society on a, on a main level. And this movie will only add to that conversation. I'm interested to see what the reactions are in different countries. Yeah, uh, I know, know, me too. I, it's so great being in Canada, and then we're going to be in New York next, and then we're going to Europe. Wow, so I, well, I think you're going to have three very different kinds of experiences. Yeah. Um, and uh, America, you know, my reading of this... You're so smart for, for bringing that up. <laughs> my reading of this is that America finds him to be a polarizing character. Donald Trump says, well, you know, traitors, what do, what do we used to do to them? Execute them. And then on the other hand, others uh, others laud him as a hero. Uh, in Canada, I think that we uh, don't see him as a traitor. That's not the, the, the gist that I get. I think we tend to be uh, a little more uh, open, a little more empathetic to the idea of what he was exposing. Yeah. Yeah. And Europe, I'm not sure. Oh, Europeans love Edward Snowden. Do they? Europeans love Edward Snowden. Um, and it's because I think similarly to Canada, Europe, you guys, I think Canada is more aligned with um, European ways of thinking. Ways of thinking, the moral integrity in a way, um, than America. I think the reason why America is so polarizing is because a lot of our country has been functioning under narratives that are fed to us by mainstream media, by mainstream culture. Um, and there hasn't been lots on a mainstream level in a while where we question the government. And this election has definitely stirred some shit up because you had Bernie Sanders, who was saying Edward Snowden's a hero. You had Bernie Sanders, who was talking about fracking for the first time on a mainstream level, who was talking about all of these private prisons, um, you know, um, uh, Immigration and, and minimum wage. And minimum like wage, public, real, yeah. Real eye level stuff that people that affects people directly. Especially Europeans, right, and Canadians, yeah. um, because you guys live in sort of more of a socialist yeah. democracy. But then you have Donald Trump on the same in the same way, different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in the same philosophy that he is bringing up and talking about things in our government that most people have not addressed before. And then you have Hillary Clinton, um, who is who sort of represents the system as it stands right now. So America had all these sort of underlying polarizations, and now those have hit a mainstream level, which is, to me, as a young person, so exciting because I get to watch our country start questioning our government in ways that we haven't. I'm way older than you, and I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. So, I've never seen this level. I mean, there have been microscopes turned on governments before. Uh, you know, I think during Watergate, you know, there these yeah. scandals come up. But they tend to flare, and then it then it settles down again. This, I've never seen anything like it. Part of it is that the election cycle is so long. I mean, it's been two years or something of, of, of speeches and campaigning and all that stuff. So, but But I think things feel different now. People are thinking differently. People are thinking differently. People are feeling differently. But I think what we're really witnessing is people are showing up for the first time. 
You know, it's easy to think different at home with your friends or complain about something. It's a lot harder to actually engage and activate in creating that change. But change comes from the people. The power lies in the people's hands, but the people have to recognize that. And that's what's happening. And it's exciting. And moments like this, moments where we get to offer through art a message that's so incredibly relevant and essential um, to not only our lives but future generations, Moments like this are moments to celebrate because through art, we're questioning government. Mm -hmm. To talk about your performance in the movie, when I walked out of the, the film, I, I thought that what I'd just seen was a performance from you that was so natural and so beautiful because it felt to me like I was watching you do things like it was the first time it had occurred to you. Not that it was rehearsed, not that it was even written for you. It felt to me like everything that I saw you do was like, well, I'm going to do this now. And Thank it was you. natural and really lovely to see. Thank you. It, is that Oliver Stone? Is it Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Is it just you? I mean, I've seen this before with you, but it's, I don't know, if it, is it a style? Is it a, I, I don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, you know, for me, the beautiful thing about storytelling is truth, right? Um, and everyone's truth is different yeah. and that's what makes storytelling so fun and that's why it changes like the game of telephone throughout the years um, but my biggest mission in life is to just be truthful uh, whether it's in a conversation with you or with friends or whether it's in front of a camera um, and when you are afforded the opportunity to work with an actor like Joseph Gordon-Levitt who is also so incredibly truthful and honest and pure um, and aware, though, that you have to progress a story and you have to move it along. Uh, that's a real treat. That doesn't always happen. Um, so you try to just professionally listen and react to what he was offering. It's funny because I, I, I just think of it as being such a, an artificial surrounding, mm -hmm. you know. And then this thing happens that feels natural and weird, even though I'm seeing it on a screen that's the size of three football screens put or three football fields yeah. put together. You know, and, and I'm always amazed at it. I'm I'm on television here. And in front of a camera, if I just have to be myself, I'm fine. It's just the way yeah. I've done it for forever. But if I have to, I can't act to save my life. To perform. I cannot perform. It's and so funny. I'm more opposite. If I'm on TV not playing a character, it's more jarring to me. But something that we were very aware of and keen on um, in developing their relationship and Oliver Stone and Kieran Fitzgerald um, really hone this in was there in many ways the heart of this movie and it's the storyline that you one of the storylines you don't know about Edward Snowden's um, past trajectory and in that if we had made this relationship flashy or kitschy or anything which we totally could have done because that's another fun side of acting but it would have removed the humanity from the movie and people need to see the humanity behind a poster child that everyone has judgments upon. Well, and that she, Lindsay, has moved to Moscow to be with him. And, yeah. you know, as you said in the beginning of, the, of our conversation, given up everything. everything, you know? I mean, it's that is the little kicker that we find out at the end of the film, deep in the character, changed it for me a little bit. Because I thought, well, maybe then they've just Split. Know, never saw one another. And uh, again, and, no, it you know, gives that's me chills story. that they're still together. Oh, <laughs> I love it. It's like Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Without without the death. Yeah, we yeah. don't want that. Yeah, without the desk and, and death and uh, with more computer hacking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> more cyber warfare. That's Shailene Woodley. She's so good in the movie and I really enjoyed talking to her. 
Now Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you've seen him in 50-50, in Looper, and all sorts of movies. He's worked with Christopher Nolan, he's Robin, or was he Robin, in the Christopher Nolan Batman series. In Snowden, he plays Edward Snowden, and it's interesting to hear him talk about privacy issues from the point of view of someone who actually runs a website and has given this a great deal of thought. Here's a chat with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. We talked about this at the press conference a little bit, but uh, I think that privacy issues are one of the most pressing issues that we face now, but I just wonder if there isn't a slow erosion of the idea. And I know, I don't think you agree with me on this, but I think that we're so used to ads popping up for things that we've done in other searches on our, you know, other websites, that we're just going to be used to it in a couple of years. We're going to say, ah, you know, it's not, I got nothing to hide anyway, so whatever. Let's just, let's just, you know, let that be. I definitely think it's, it's uh, an issue well worth paying attention to. Uh, I hope I wasn't misleading in, in, in being optimistic about the future uh, to say that we should, you know, stop paying attention to it, I think. Um, and as far as, you know, an ad, like your, your example, of, uh, an ad popping up and us just ignoring it, um, I mean, that's already happening. Well, that's um, what I mean. And, and so it chips away at your idea that you're being watched because you're like, oh, I can ignore that ad. I don't know. It's, you, you don't think of it as being an invasion anymore. Well, but uh, I think it's important to distinguish between, I mean, between ads and other things. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, the example that, that uh, Zach gave in the press conference of, you know, he was searching for one thing with the, you know, he was, he was looking into washer dryers and then later um, on a separate site, ads for washer dryers came up. To me, uh, what's scary about that isn't the fact that he's getting an ad for a washer dryer. To me, what's, the problem there is there's an interconnectedness between these different systems on the internet that we're not aware of. If we're aware of these things, I don't think it's necessarily a problem that you're getting, you know, advertised to in a more efficient way, necessarily, as long as we're all aware of how that's happening and we've all agreed to it. Uh, that's the real issue. And so, so to me, it's, it's as much about privacy, or as much as it is about privacy, it's, it's about uh, sort of transparency and accountability, on, especially on behalf of the government also on behalf of you know the giant technology companies that are that are designing this hardware and software uh, and uh, you know I mentioned in the press conference and I think it's true since Snowden's disclosure a lot of the companies in Silicon Valley have really stepped up and and tried to become more transparent about what they're doing and how they're doing it I still think they have progress to make uh, I don't think their work is done for example when you you know you click to agree to the terms of service when you join one of these services or when you're just gotten you know they make an alteration to their legalese and they ask you to re-agree to their terms of service it happens all the time it's probably on a week-to-week -week basis we're probably checking that box and agreeing to some kind of legal contract that we're not reading that should probably change uh, and and uh, I would I mean not to toot my own horn <laughs> too much but like I have a I have a company that happens on the internet an online community when you join our site um, we ask you to agree to our terms of service, and yes, there is uh, a long legal contract. 
there's also a video of me explaining what you're agreeing to, right. and there's you know the what you're agreeing to is boiled down into three simple basic points. And yes, we have to say like this isn't the whole thing. And yes, you know if you really want the details, it's it's in the contract. Um, but this is basically what's going on here. And there's nothing and, nasty hidden in, in, in the in yeah, the paragraphs. No, there isn't. There isn't, there isn't. Yeah. and our, we stake our reputation on that. Um, I would like, I would like some of these companies to do that too. Um, like I, I, you know, when you sign up for Gmail or you sign up for Facebook, I think it'd be good for them to say, we're going to be watching what you do and we're going to sell that information to advertisers. That's how we make money. But, you know, and I think it would even be fair for them to say, but you might enjoy those ads and it might be better for you than the ads used to be on TV when you're watching ads that you don't care about. Now you'll be watching ads that you might be more likely to care about. You know, I, I think it's fine for them to kind of state their case, right. but they should. They should talk about it because most of us just sign up for these things and we don't even know how they're making money. We don't even, I know, I never even used to think about, how's Facebook making money? Right. Like, wait, I know they're a really valuable company. How do, how do they make money? Yeah. You know, uh, Doing this movie, um, while, while I was shooting this movie, I, I read a book uh, called Who Owns the Future, uh, written by Jaron Lanier, um, that I thought was really, really excellent. Um, and uh, it's all about these kinds of questions. Uh, how is the internet working? How does, it, how does it work within our systems of, like, our, our economic systems? Is it a healthy and sustainable kind of ecosystem that we're building for ourselves? What is it going to mean moving into the future? Um, and uh, these are great questions to be asking. Was the book optimistic? The book was... Um, that book... That book's thesis says that if we keep going the way that we're going, there's going to be some economic disasters. But it also proposes some alternatives. Um, now, they're... They're pretty radical alternatives, so I don't know, I, you know, who knows what exactly is going to happen. When I was 19, I quit acting for a while, uh, probably in, in, a, in a respect, not because of invasion of privacy, but just as far as, like, you brought up, did I really choose to be an actor, or is, was that choice something that I made so young that it, it was kind of beyond my own decision? Uh, that's a, probably why I quit for a couple of years because I wanted to be like, well, is this what I want to do? I don't know. Maybe I want. And I went to college and I, I did a lot of thinking. And eventually, I did come back to making stuff. I, you know, I started making videos and short films and wanted to act again. And when I was like nineteen or twenty. Um, I moved to New York City. I went to college there, and I could I could dress loudly, and walk down the street. I could you know, be ridiculous with my friends on the subway or whatever, and uh, no one particularly noticed that I was, you know, an actor because I looked different than I did when I was young on TV. And um, and uh, look, I do miss that sometimes, but I I hate to complain about it because I'm so lucky <laughs> to to get to do the job that I do. Um, you know, if that's the downside, that I don't uh, really have the opportunity to, you know, be ridiculous on the subway with my friends without getting noticed, um, that's a price I'm well willing to pay. <laughs> <laughs>
since we started as a as a production company in 2010, we've always had a video on our on our join page uh, where I sort of explain what you're agreeing to. Um, so I guess I couldn't say that that's in direct reaction to the Snowden story, um, but uh, I, I definitely think that um, yeah, working on this movie made me much more thoughtful about how uh, how the whole internet works. Someone's asked you about the band aid over the webcam. It's funny because like. I almost think there's a weird metaphor, an unintentional metaphor going on with a Band-Aid, like, because it's a Band-Aid, like, oh, this will fix it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think it will. <laughs> but um, uh, I am aware when, when there's a camera pointed at me now, um, and I mean a camera on a phone or a camera on my computer or whatever. Um, but, uh, but, I don't know, for me, uh, I... I think the that change is a less profound one than some of just the changes in thinking of just trying like being more curious about how the whole thing works. Well, I think we possibly were spoiled or conditioned to think a certain way because television's coming to our homes for our entire lives, radio, now the internet comes in and television and radio are fairly benign, I guess the ideas wise, ideas wise they can shape things, mm-hmm. but you know, your television is not spying on you, your radio is not spying on you, that sort of mm-hmm. thing, and it feels similar, it's a high tech version of things that we've had in our lives for a very long time. Yeah. So maybe that's, you know, I mean, the, the difference though I think is that and you've done so well with your side of, of building communities, like building, uh, I think, ha- having people pitch in, write music for this new mm-hmm. thing, do the, you know, and, and that is something that we've not felt before in terms of the electronics that we interact with mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's, that's a distinction that I'm, that's really exciting to me. Uh, and um, it, the difference between uh, just sort of consuming media and you can use these phones or the internet to consume media, but you can also use it um, to collaborate, to make media something that's more communal and, and, and sort of um, productive. It's, 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 uh, to me, it's really fascinating watching how uh, culture tends to lag behind technology. Right. Uh, like I was, I was listening to, um, there's a great thinker named Alan Kay who uh, uh, invented graphic user interface and object-oriented programming. He's like a very, you know, renowned computer scientist. And, um, he was talking about uh, the printing press and how when the printing press was invented, at first, all they printed were Bibles. Mm-hmm. Religious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and that lasted for quite a while. But generations later, the printing press eventually was responsible for spreading the ideas that led to the scientific revolution and, and the industrial revolution and, and the birth of democracy and like hugely, hugely impactful technological in- innovation, the printing press, but it took it a while. At, at first, it was really just, it was just printing Bibles, books that people had anyway. Um, so I, I actually think computers are sort of similar. Then right now we're in the early days of computers and, uh, and we're using them basically the same way that we used our old technology. A lot of people treat, you know, we, we treat our computers the same way as we treat our television. It's just kind of like you say, a high-tech version of a television. We, we watch YouTube videos. Yeah. We, we, we consume things that are there beamed into our house yeah. by a way that we don't understand. Yeah. 
but but I think I think future generations are gonna are gonna treat it differently, yeah. and and uh, I think like that difference you said of the difference between just consuming something that's beamed in your house versus reaching out and and saying like okay, and and even more than because YouTube does change the equation a bit in that anybody can post a video now but there's still a difference between one person saying look here's me here's my video versus people coming together and and making things together and really collaborating and really conversing i hope my hope is that you know future generations are way more compassionate and and way more um understanding of multiple perspectives and and way more productive uh, if, if they can all, if this technology can facilitate us all working together towards solving the big problems of the day, uh, hopefully, you know, our our kids or our kids' kids can can really um, make a lot more progress a lot more quickly than than we have been able to. Well, because right now we use it to watch cat videos. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. This is the first time I've I've been in a movie that's so. Uh, you know, fundamentally connected to a uh, a conversation that that everyone is having right now outside the realm of, of pop culture and entertainment. That was Joseph Gordon Levitt. His website, by the way, is called hitrecord.org, not .com. Hitrecord.org. Check it out. At the site, he really encourages a sense of community, of everyone pitching in to create new and interesting things. It's a fascinating site. Check it out. In the meantime, though, check out Snowden. Got to be playing at a theater near you. After you see it, and after you've listened to this podcast, I bet you you'll start thinking about that little camera on your computer or Next time you walk past a closed-circuit security camera or maybe even use your own phone, you might think about it just a little bit differently. It's interesting stuff, nonetheless, and probably going to be one of the major issues of our time. Privacy issues. But that's it for the House of Krauss this week. Time for you to pack it up and go. Go see Snowden. Get out of here. But be sure to come back next Monday. We put a new show up every single week. We'd love to have you come back because you never know who's going to stop by for a visit. It might be one of your favorite people.